and welcome to episode 43 of Bad Movie Vaults. It's me, JP, with my friends. Nud. Badly dubbed Scott. <laughs> oh, I can't let that see that. <laughs> and we are here to talk about Ninja Terminator. <laughs> <laughs> you will die. <laughs> um, so welcome. Um, Ninja Terminator. So uh, I'm right in thinking you guys are not Seen this before? I've not heard of this before. I've heard of it. Heard or knew of any existence even remotely close to the existence of this film. I hadn't heard so, of it. I hadn't seen it, and I still haven't heard of it. So let me tell you about my history with uh, Ninja Terminator. So when I, my recollection of this is, I was about 12, 13 years old, and I was off ill from school one day. I can't remember why. And my mum agreed to um, rent a video for me to watch. And uh, we went down to the video store. Even though I was too poor to get to school, I did go to the video store. And a film that I've been dying to watch from my local video store for some time was Ninja Terminator. The reason I was dying to watch it is because it had a really cool sleeve. It had like a, like a red and black ninjas. And sure. A, and, and like a samurai mask type thing, a ninja terminator. Ninja was in ninjutsu style characters and terminator was in terminator style silver lettering. And I thought it just looked like the coolest thing ever. And obviously my mum wanted me to watch, I don't know, Peach Dragon or something like that. But she agreed to rent Ninja Terminator with the caveat that she would watch it with me. <laughs> to make sure that if there was anything unsuitable going on, then she could turn it off. <laughs> so, <clears throat> I sit and watch Ninja Terminator with my mum at the age of about 12. And I remember loving this film because <laughs> there were loads of ninjas fighting, running up and down steps. This is all I can remember from it. Yeah. There were lots of ninjas in different coloured outfits running up and down steps and fighting each other. And it was cool. However... And, and I remember it happening earlier in the film than it actually does. I think it happens in about half an hour into the film. Uh, but I, when I remember it, it happened like 10 or 15 minutes in, but it's half an hour in. There's like a sex scene in the film. And it's not a bad, it's not a long sex scene. Oh, yeah. It's not really a bad sex scene. It's fairly soft focus, but clearly there's positions going on. Multiple positions going on that aren't just the missionary position. There are legs and heads yeah. in the same shot. Well, I was watching this with my mum, uh, age 12, and I was mortified when this sex scene came on to the point where I had to get up and stand in front of the television and, and, and <laughs> say, mum, you've got to turn this off. We can't watch this anymore. I can't watch this with you. You've got to turn it off. My mum thought nothing of it and said, sit down. Don't be a Wally. <laughs> and we ended up watching Ninja Terminator, and it's stuck in my head ever since then. So recently, I'm on Amazon looking to get Enter the Ninja, a far better ninja film than Ninja Terminator, on Blu-ray, and I saw people that bought Enter the Ninja also bought, and there's Ninja Terminator on DVD for £1.04p. <laughs> the label it's on is Hollywood DVD, which I think is quite ironic, because this film is about as fucking far from Hollywood <laughs> as it is possible to get. But I picked it up, and I thought it was maybe something that we could do um, uh, for the podcast. So, I watched it, realised that it was really terrible, <laughs> and obviously not anywhere near as good as I remember it being, 
And then I started doing some research on it and discovered loads of stuff about IFD, international film distributors who made the film, and Godfrey Ho, the director, and Gordon Lau, the producer. So I then watched it again once I'd found all that information out, and it was a bit of a different experience watching it the second time round. Because obviously the first time I watched it, I had no idea at all that it was two completely different films. <laughs> and I think the same is true of you two guys. Yeah. Although it's disjointed and it makes fuck all yeah. sense, you get that. Yeah. yeah. But you don't realise that you're watching something that's that's just been mushed together. Because of because yeah. it's so disjointed. Yeah. There are you just think that it's just so badly written and edited and put together. Yeah. That it, there, it, it's difficult to see there's two films there. Yeah, Absolutely. there are characters in it that sort of don't cross paths, but you don't, it never enters your head. Yeah, they, sort of, they sort of cross paths, they, they speak on the phone. Yeah. But they're never in the same no. shot. Yeah. They're never in the I same scene. Towards the end, I've got a slight inkling that, that something like that might have been going on because is it the cop guy who's always karate in people? Jaguar 1. Jaguar 1. Uh, his sort of storyline wraps up, and I remember thinking. Hang on, does this have anything to do with what the ninja His storyline wraps up and then there's ten minutes left of film yeah. where the other storyline has to wrap up. So, yeah, what these guys used to do, and what happened was the story goes, is that is that Gordon Lau, the, the, um, one of the guys at IFD, he had, he had the rights to a bunch of Korean and Thai films for the Western market and no idea how to sell them. And he goes out to a film festival like Cannes and he sees that Enter the Ninja is doing gangbuster business. And he thinks the best way to distribute this stuff to the Western market is to film a bunch of new footage with ninjas jumping around fighting and then cut that into the footage that he already had from all these different movies and release that as a new movie. And he would, um, and Godfrey Ho would direct a lot of this new footage. So this is what they did. And they did this over and over again. And they gave all the films titles that were similar to American film titles. So there was Ninja Terminator, Ninja Thunderbolt, uh, Ninja Mission Force, which is a bit like Delta Force, and Ninja the Protector, which was a bit like the Protector. Ninja Ghostbusters. <laughs> you, you laugh, but actually, they, they, they had all sorts of films. They had melodramas, and they had horror films, and they just cut ninjas into... All of them. Yeah. They didn't care if there was, if they were using like an action film as as the base movie and whacking some ninjas into it, which would make maybe some modicum of sense. No, if they had a melodrama, uh, there's a film called Ninja Commandments, which is a melodrama from a Thailand melodrama about um, a couple who go through horrible tragedy and it all die. And they turn them into ninja commandments about a couple that get thrown out of a ninja training school for disobeying the ninja commandments. And then a ninja film plays out over the top of this footage of these two people going through all of these tragedies. The people age, because the, the course of that film is over like 30 or 40 years, but obviously the ninjas don't in this completely separate movie because that was shot over the course of a weekend. Awesome. And they shot all this stuff with an American kind of Z-list actor called Richard Harrison. So the story goes that Richard Harrison goes over to um, Hong Kong to shoot footage for a couple of ninja movies. And he shoots some stuff, some of it very generic. Some of it might just be Richard Harrison running up a hill and then shouting, NINJA! Jar, 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 jar. <laughs> and then they cut that footage into maybe... 
20 or 30 or 40 different <laughs> films. The same footage reused over and over again. And then they, and they get quite inventive about the way they introduce the footage. For example, there's a scene in Ninja Terminator, and we'll talk about that fucking mental plot in a minute, mm. but there's a scene in Ninja Terminator in which a toy robot delivers a tape <laughs> yeah. to one of the ninja guys. Uh, and he puts the tape on, and the tape starts playing footage of a torture scene, yeah? That is literally a tape of the a scene from the other <laughs> film. <laughs> so literally, they haven't even had to cut that in. They're literally just screening it within the scene. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> so, I mean... Yeah, that was because we watched that. There's yeah. a bit where the tape goes... Brilliant. So the guys filming the torture video have edited together different shots. You know, like yes. from the point of view of the film, right? Yeah. And it's shoddy because it's all on a TV that they are filming, so you've got scan lines going right there. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Quite, it's, yeah, horrible to watch. And that's literally a bit yeah. of footage from this Korean film. Right, okay. But they didn't even bother editing that bit in. <laughs> so so the, the, probably the most famous of all of these films then is Ninja Terminator. So, uh, which we'll talk about. Now, you guys have watched it. So, the basic plot, right? Uh, it, it starts in a ninja's living room. We know it's a ninja's living room because they've got like a lamp with like a picture of a ninja on it. Yeah, sure. And they've got a curtain with some ninja symbols on it. And the head of the Golden Ninja Army uh, is telling his three lieutenants about the Golden Ninja Warrior statue. Now, this is a fucking ropey looking uh, prop. Yeah. which is basically a golden torso with two arms attached to it that you can kind of pull apart into three pieces. Yeah. And the uh, head of the Golden Ninja Warrior Army is telling these guys that if you have all three of these bits of this statue, it grants you super ninja powers. The super ninja powers make you kind of impervious to harm by a bladed weapon, and we have a couple of scenes where... Yeah, he hits yeah. a sword on his arm and nothing happens. I guess it also makes you good at cutting up watermelons with a yeah. sword. <laughs> Maybe it makes you good at throwing shurikens. Don't know, it's not really clear. Yeah. But anyway, everybody covets this golden ninja warrior statue. And what happens is, uh, head, the, the head ninja of the film, Harry, who's one of the lieutenants, who is that big bulking American guy, yeah. played by Richard Harrison, together with his mate Fred, can't remember his name, but I think it's Fred, who is also an American guy, played played by an actor called Bruce Stallion. And then a third ninja, who is a Japanese guy, who in the film is called Tamashi. They, for reasons completely unknown, each steal one chunk of the golden ninja warrior statue and piss off with it. Yeah. Right? The film then... And the, and the, and the head of the ninja warrior army is like, damn you! <laughs> Film jump cuts to two years later in Hong Kong. So two years later in Hong Kong, Tamashi, who has one of the pieces of the Golden Ninja Warrior statue, is attacked by a bunch of ninjas. And what that means is there's random scenes of ninjas running up and down stairs. <laughs> and then suddenly one ninja jumps into the same frame with Tamashi and throws a shuriken at his back while he's doing some sort of hokey ninjutsu ritual or something Um, and he dies Um, I'm pretty sure he's doing this ritual in front of the golden ninja warrior statue bit that he's got but for some reason these ninjas don't take it no 
It's what they're there for. Yeah. <laughs> and for some reason, they don't take it. Uh, we then cut to um, Tamashi's funeral, and this is the first bit of footage from the original Korean film. So the Korean film was made about six years before the new footage, the ninja footage. Uh, the, third, the title of the film is something like Stranger on the Ferry, right. or something like that. It's got a really weird title. Uh, and it's, it's clearly a different film, about gangsters, yeah. Um, but we're going to try and insert it by dubbing over the top and, and sticking the footage in. We're going to try and make it into a ninja story. Mm -hmm. I should add at this point the dubbing in this film is completely out there. Mm -hmm. So the American actors do their um, dialogue in English, but it's all ADR'd really, yeah. really badly. And then the Japanese actors from the new ninja footage but also the original Korean actors from the Korean film are all dubbed by just crazy funny voices you know some of them sound like hicks or low yokels or bums yeah, yeah. it's you know, a mongo like English accent yeah, yeah there's all yeah, sorts yeah. of Cockneys accents and English accents it's completely and it's very funny I think watching these clearly Japanese characters or Korean characters talking in these funny accents and giving each other names like Rodney and Fred. Yeah. I mean, there's just loads of fun to be had there anyway. So we get the first bit of footage from the Korean film. And it's meant to be Tamashi's brother and sister. His sister's called Machiko. I can't remember what his brother's called because he's going to die in about five minutes. Yeah. They are chatting at the, at the cemetery. Well, say cemetery. It's literally just one tombstone um, and they're saying something about how Tamashi was mixed up with all these ninjas he was mixed up with his golden ninja army and he was killed by ninjas um, but they don't really know why they get in uh, they get in their car and drive off in the meantime the golden ninja warrior army leader who wants his statue back has called his henchmen whose name is um, Tiger Chen. Tiger Chen is a blonde, is a guy with a silly oh, blonde wig. Yeah. What the fuck does this guy look like? Well, he's going to spend most of the film standing on a staircase, yeah. shouting at his henchmen and sidekicks and telling them off for doing a shit job, cutting their fingers off, but giving them one last chance. Yeah, he's yeah. going to do that a lot of times in this film. He gives him at least five At least five chances. or six last and chances. And even when he says, this is it, your finger's going to have to come off. He goes, oh no, please don't come off. Oh, all right, and one more go. But don't mess up again, or I'll have your finger. Well, yeah, but you've threatened that before, and you don't fuck all about it. <laughs> so, um, the, the ninja guy has called... Tiger One, he was in a completely different film, and said, Tamashi's dead, we don't know where the Golden Ninja Warrior statue bit is, but Tamashi might have given it to his brother, or his sister, or they might know where it is. So, Tiger Chen then sends his guys to attack Machiko and the brother, which they do as these guys are leaving the cemetery, and they have a big fight, and they kill... Tamashi's brother. Not a great way of interrogating him, killing him, no. <laughs> also, why do they stop the car? They get out to have a look around in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> they do get out to have a look around in the middle of nowhere and then they get attacked by these guys who are clearly not ninjas because they're from the Korean film, which is yeah. about gangsters. Uh, so there's no ninjas in this scene. They kill the brother and Machiko <laughs> just gets away. Um, <clears throat> so, cut to... Jaguar One, who is our hero from the Korean portion of the film, he's walking down the street and somebody comes up to him and tells him that Tamashi's been 
killed, and also Tomashi's brother has been killed. So Jaguar One gets on the phone to his mate Harry, who is the American ninja guy who nicked the other part of the statue, and says, Tomashi's dead, and Tomashi's brother's dead. What do you want me to do about it, boss? And Harry, who is on a Garfield phone. Yeah. Now, I could only assume that, that, that Godfrey Ho, or someone in Hong Kong, thought that in the mid-80s, the height of sophistication for an American would be to own a Garfield phone. Because there's a Garfield phone in this fucking film. Uh, yeah. And this guy, and Richard Harrison, clearly a Z-grade actor who is not happy about being in Hong Kong doing this ninja shit. Because he's got his eyes look fucking dead yeah. through most of this film. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Does not look like a sort of man who would own a Garfield. Would own a Garfield he doesn't phone. look like he's had one single day's fun in his entire life yeah. in this film. Does he? He's he looks completely and utterly dead, aggrieved, and unexpressive. Yeah, he just doesn't, a, his facial expression doesn't change once. Yeah. He just looks like someone you, you just couldn't really wouldn't want to piss off a bit. <laughs> so, so he doesn't look like definitely like a sort of dude who has a Garfield phone. Yeah, and he hates crabs. Well, this is one of the so one of the two or three. We'll get to that in a minute. One of the two or three moments where the films will cross over, <laughs> where they have this phone conversation, and Harry tells Jaguar to protect Machiko because they're probably going to come after her next. And if he can find out where the Golden Ninja Warrior statue is, um, then there's a really weird scene where Harry's dumb bimboy wife. Uh, who is in a few scenes in the film has no real point to her being there. She comes out and tells Harry that she's cooking his favourite dinner, which is something to do with crab, some sort of crab-related meal. Then a minute later, she screams from the kitchen, "Harry, the crabs have escaped!" And literally, there's about thirty crabs yeah. crawling around the floor of this apartment. Yeah. Um, uh, and she's screaming, "Ah, oh, the crabs!" Harry deals with it by throwing a knife into the back of one crab. (laughs) Yeah, that's dealt with. Rather sadly, walks across the floor with a knife sticking out of its back, (laughs) out of its shell. Job done. Job done. (laughs) I've no idea what this scene means, but I guarantee you it was in at least ten of the movies. (laughs) Because it's totally generic, and it would have fit into anything anywhere. Well, that bit there, um, when when she shouts about the crabs, and they're on the floor... I must have blinked and missed that bit because I assumed that it was something the gangsters did like some sort of threat you think they sent armed crabs yeah I don't know what I don't know what I didn't know what to assume because I was like hang on what? I literally looked away from the screen for like four seconds and there was crabs everywhere and she's screaming you laugh Scotty but later on they yeah. are going to send to the robots aren't they so, so it could have been. been a thing yeah Yes, Scott. Yeah. Okay, yes, Scott. Yeah. So then we get a chunk <laughs> of the film that takes place in the, uh, that's the Korean movie. And honestly, it's difficult to tell if the source material would have made any sense if it hadn't been cut and pasted and dubbed over by IFD. Because the footage that we're left with doesn't really make a lot of sense at all. <laughs> so... Um, Tiger Chen gets word that Jaguar One is looking for um, Machiko. Before that happens, actually, uh, Jaguar uh, knows that Machiko works in a restaurant. So he goes, he sees these three guys on the street, and he asks them where the restaurant is, and they have a fight for reasons I really cannot explain. I think these guys say something like, we don't like your sort around here in our restaurants, or something like that. And they have a fight. Um, 
and Jaguar beats them all up. To be fair, the actor playing Jaguar, Jack Lamb is his name, yeah. is pretty good. Yeah. His kung fu is not bad. Yeah, his so kung fu is powerful. His kung fu is mighty powerful. <laughs> so he has some pretty cool fights. Anyway, he beats these three guys up. He steals a ring off one of them. Oh, sorry, I tell you, one thing I do like about this is like every time he gets into a fight from now on, it's one more person added each time. It's yeah. like the gangsters sent someone, oh, he beat that guy, right, let's send two guys. <laughs> two oh, guys. Beat him, right, let's send three. <laughs> it's yeah. like, and he tends to slam their heads through window car windows doesn't he or throw them <coughs> on the car windows or yeah. things that's pretty good fun yeah it's good fun and the, he's fighting uh, me and Scott were talking about when we were watching it and it's that kind of movie kung fu that I'm not really a big fan of which is where they kind of like with every crazy. move they, they do a beat where they freeze yeah they do a move freeze move yeah. freeze and they kind of like step move I always sort of, sort of called it flowery sort of early Jackie Chan stuff where it's all sort of yeah and I, and I guess we're slightly spoiled in more modern times, because we've seen kind of the the um, the on back Tony Jar style, where you're literally just hitting people in the face, yeah, yeah. you know, and that kind of stuff looks really dangerous. And then when you go back and look at this stuff from the eighties, it kind of looks a little bit tame by comparison. But I still think there's, you know, the choreography is not better, bad. It's more interesting than the rest of the film. Yeah, so there's some fairly cool fights. Anyway, he beats these three ruffians up and finds out where the restaurant is. There's a really odd scene where he goes to the restaurant and he gets in the face of the waiter. He says something like, would it, the waiter says, would you like anything from the menu? Uh, depends. Is Machico on the menu? And the guy says, Machico. She says, I'm Machico. And they go and have a conversation about nothing at all. He says, sorry your brother's dead there might be some ninjas coming after you and she says that's okay um <laughs> really odd scene um he then if I've got this right he then takes the ring that he stole from the three guys he roughed up and takes it to a pawn shop and the guy at the pawn shop tells him it's just fake it's not worth anything and he mm. says you can keep the ring but while he's there he sees this girl and then he follows her for a bit and then drives her off the road and yeah. then they go back to his to somebody's apartment and have a shag about the half hour point of the film. Yeah. I didn't really understand who she was in relation to him. Did they know each other before? Had they just met? Doesn't really make any sense to me. In the original source material, I'm sure it makes more sense because we'll also find out much later on that she's the girlfriend of Tiger Chen who's right. the gangster. You've picked up any of this. No. Yeah. No. So she's the girlfriend this. of Tiger Chen and she's the one that they were later on in the film kidnapped in order to get Machiko back. It's almost as if... Beach. It's almost as if John's watched another film. <laughs> yeah. That we then got the further edited version of that was yeah. cut into another film. To be fair, I've done a lot of reading on this movie to no try and make sense of this film. Yeah, no <laughs> the first time I watched it, I couldn't understand what was going on at all. And then when I read a bunch of stuff about it, found it was two separate movies and watched it again, it did start to make a bit more sense to me. Right. So, <laughs> not a lot more sense. Right. So anyway, he, he follows this girl from the pawn shop, drives her off the road, they have a conversation where I think they suggest that they used to know each other and then they have a shag. And then she disappears out of the film again. Alright. Tiger Chen, meanwhile, the blonde-haired guy who's sort of working for the other ninja dude is, um, is, sends some more cronies to beat up Jaguar 1 and, and 
game off the trail of the gold ninja warrior statue. And it's odd that he ends up sending the guy from the pawn shop, who then says, that ring you tried to sell me <laughs> yeah. was my friend's ring. Yeah. And now I'm going to get revenge <clears throat> for him. And then they have a fight, but he paced the floor with his yeah. loser. Who's a really what we he's got, he's a he's got the most weedy voice they've given him as well. Yeah. Now it's time for me to get my revenge. <laughs> it's pathetic. Yeah. Anyway, they have a fight as well. And then there's a and there's a bit I really couldn't fathom out, but I'm gonna try to. So there's Harry and the other ninja, Fred we'll call him, who each have a part of the golden ninja warrior statue. They both want each other's parts as well. Um, although <laughs> yes uh, they do indeed uh, although they're sort of on the same side and there's a scene where they get they try to I think they attack each other with throwing stars and there's a scene where they fight and they go this is my throwing star oh this is my throwing star and they just gamble around a bit and have a bit of a fight so what was the, what was the suggestion there that somebody else is trying to set them both that's what I that thought was, was maybe going on that bad ninja yeah. was trying to set them against each other yeah. um, by, by making it look like yeah. they, they were after each other Richard Harrison it was him and, that was yeah. after both of them Bruce, Bruce Stallion is the name the guy, of the, the guy looks like I think looks like Tim Heidecker <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah so there's all that going on at this point the two films are completely separate really they're not really crossing yeah. each other what I start to notice later in the film is the Jaguar 1 he's just off beating up yeah. bigger and bigger gangs plus one every time he fights until yeah. he fights a dude on the beach and then there's this the ninja stuff that's going on somewhere else yeah. and I did notice that yeah, and every I didn't time, think it was two separate yeah, films every so. time Jaguar beats some guys up there'll be another scene of Tiger Chen with the blonde wig on the stairs moaning at his henchmen for fucking yeah, up threatening to cut people's fingers off threatening to cut their fingers yeah. take him out of time and then send them in send yeah. them yeah. <laughs> take one more guy and, yeah exactly <laughs> Um, so then, um, toy robots start turning up at the houses of Harry about? and Fred. Little Zoids. Like little, little Zoids to deliver a message that they must return the Golden Ninja Warrior statue. You have only three days. <laughs> yeah. Um, and this continues happening. There's a scene where Harry goes down to his car with his wife. And then comes so he's written on the covered the car in snow and underneath the snow is written you have two days <laughs> to return the golden ninja warrior statue yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and Fred is also getting um, toy robots turning up telling him he's got to return the golden ninja warrior when, statue when you refer to the golden ninja warrior statue do you have to call it the golden ninja warrior statue could you not just call it something other than the golden ninja warrior statue because saying golden ninja warrior statue takes quite a long time when you could just say something other than I don't know because the film very specifically says all the way through <laughs> Golden Ninja Warrior Statue that's <laughs> yes. exactly what it says and I'm not going to I've got too much respect for this movie yeah, too much respect for this Golden Ninja Warrior shortening Statue it down, shortening okay. this shit down okay. um, fair enough okay so um, so Machiko is Kidnapped Magic. by um, Magico, yeah, right. yeah. This is the sister by Tiger Chen's posse um, and tortured, but she won't reveal the whereabouts of the Golden Ninja Warrior statue Here because that's a completely different film. 
And she doesn't know what they're talking about. <laughs> what the fuck? Um, Ty, uh, Jaguar is also captured, but manages to escape. And there's a bit of chop socky shit on a roof <laughs> or on a balcony yeah. or something like that. He beats some of those fuckers up. Then he gets back on the blower to Harry and says, Machiko's been captured. Um, and what am I going to do about it? And Harry's plan is to kidnap Tiger Chen's girlfriend so um, they can swap Machiko for Tiger Chen's girlfriend. Tiger Chen's girlfriend, we see another sex scene about an hour into the film between Tiger with the blonde wig uh, and this uh, girl. And it's the girl that Jaguar shagged at the 30 minute point from the porn show. Ah. So it doesn't make, mean it to me, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. It doesn't really make any sense. Yeah. It probably made sense in the context of the original film, but right now we don't have a fucking clue what's going on. Yeah. So uh, he drives her off the road again, a second time, and they kidnap her. Um, and then they head to the beach to hand Machiko over to... Uh, to do the exchange, Machiko for this girl, um, which is effectively the end of the Korean movie. And there's a really weird scene where Tiger takes his wig off. Yeah. So, like, he doesn't wear his wig for fighting. Yeah. Um, and they have a fight on the beach that, that is not a bad fight, except it ends with, bizarrely ends with Tiger Chen in, like, like quicksand or something. Well, no, the sand no, no, goes no. up to his leg. But he's got something wrong with his feet, <clears> and, he, and you notice this. Every time he jumps off something, he ends up with his feet in the sand. So he keeps making him jump off of slightly higher things each time. Because he do you think more... he's got heavy feet? Yeah, yeah. Like, it's something to do with it, isn't it? Well, because he, he makes him jump off and try to do a jump kick at him, and he, he dodges him, and he realises that when his feet land in the sand, they go in a bit, and he's stuck for half a second, yeah. and he realises it's a thing. So then what he does... Almost he... like an end-of-level yeah. game boss. Yeah. The yeah. way to defeat this end-of-level game boss is to make him jump off bigger and bigger things yeah. Yeah. until he gets stuck in the sand. Which yeah. is what he does. He gets him up on the pathway above... He jumps down and rolls, and then the guy jumps down to get him. He yeah. just basically lands on his knee, like, no. uh, uh, like hip deep in, yeah, the, yeah. in the sand. And then he just, I don't know how he kills him, though. I don't quite get it. Because he, like, he gets behind, he, they kick, he kicks him a bit, and then he bonks him on the top of the head, like <laughs> with his fist. He literally just, like, bonks him. Bonk. Like, not even like a really, like, a, what I consider a martial arts move, it's like a head bonk. <laughs> and then the guy, like, punches him a bit still. Jagging one lands on the on the ground near him, blood comes out of his mouth a bit, but he's alright. And then the other guy just looks at him and then blood pours out of his mouth and he's dead. And explodes. And explodes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just falls sinks into the sand. Yeah. yeah. Um which is certainly the end of a movie. <laughs> but not, of, but not, not the end, end of, of the other one. This movie. Yeah. Right. So we then have the which we really should have had from, from the very beginning. The odd thing about this film is everyone seems to know where everybody else is. So there are far easier ways of the people, characters, getting what they want than the convoluted shit that fills this 90-minute film. Mm. Because very quickly in the film, they're sending toy robots to Harry and Fred. They know where they are. Mm. You know, this fight that happens at the end really needs to have happened a lot sooner. fucking sooner and not yeah. involved in an entirely different Korean film. Mm. But anyway, they have a big fight, um, which is, see, you know, it's nicely staged. It's in Hong Kong and it's up on a hill and a big flat thing and... 
you know, there's mountains everywhere and it looks pretty cool. Um, and it's a fight between uh, the bad ninja and Harry the ninja and Fred the ninja. So it's a two on one, two goodies against the one baddie. Uh, Harry Ninja is dressed in his in his camo. He's yeah. got weird camo ninja gear. What is yeah? What is that about? Yeah. What is that about? Yeah. There's also all the way through the film random footage of ninjas doing stuff. There's one scene where a ninja's got like a fire thing. Oh that yeah. He's like throwing around his. Oh, he's doing a cabaret act. It's yeah. like a cabaret act. There's another scene where Harry the Ninja is you know Harry that thing where it's Harry the Ninja. It's Harry. I love that. Harry the Ninja is is just using his sword in the air, chip, chip, chop, and then there's a little yeah. watermelon with some fish wire on it so they can just pull it apart like you just cut it up. All that kind of cool shit that what ninjas do. There's yeah. a lot of that and throwing stars and all that cool shit. So, um, and the fight at the end between the head of the Gold Ninja clan and these two other ninjas. Was it the head? I thought it was just a random henchman. I thought it was the head. Anyway, I don't know. The head. Anyway... They have a fight, and suddenly the ninjas are kind of teleporting, aren't they? And yeah, they're doing all that kind of mad ninja yeah. shit that happens in these films. Um, but basically, what happens is um, the uh, the bad ninja defeats Fred the ninja, and then Harry the ninja defeats the bad ninja. Right. Yeah, leaving Fred. He's, he's been defeated, but he's alive. And Harry, and for some reason they've got the three parts of the Golden Ninja Warrior statue. I'm not sure how Jaguar in his film got the third, Tamashi's missing third part <coughs> to the fight in the last scene. Mm. It's not really explained. Mm. Um, but they've got all three parts there. Presumably everyone brought theirs with them, yeah. which is nice. Am I right in thinking that you've got the whole part of it and fine, that makes you invulnerable, you know, you torso and both arms if you've only got the left arm only your left arm oh yeah, yeah there's a bit where Harry yeah. is cutting himself isn't he yeah. but it's only the one arm because he's depressed yeah. <laughs> yeah. he's cutting himself because he wants to be anywhere else but yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's and yeah so maybe the, the main villains. I think that's how that works isn't yeah. it if Bodies. you've got the torso yeah. your torso's yeah because they try and hit him on the chest he's presumably fine. Yeah. though that means <laughs> that if they hit you in your legs yeah. you're fucked everybody's so there's fine. no leg part there's no leg part so it only makes you invulnerable from the waist up yeah doesn't it this shitty statue yeah. and it, lovely when he puts the arms together and tries to pick it up you realise how shitty this thing yeah. this fucking prop is mm. it absolutely is shite isn't it anyway there's a lovely very sudden ending to the film yeah where <laughs> Harry picks up the three ninja pieces of the statue and uh, the other ninja Fred who didn't get the statue just blows himself up <laughs> and he drops oh, yeah, some yeah. powder on the floor and he blows himself up and Harry just looks behind him like, yeah, like what the <laughs> fuck just happened freeze frame the end yeah literally as, as the puff of smoke that was this other guy like curls up into the sky Harry turns around like what did I miss <laughs> the end jump cut the end yeah. and that was um, no I'm quite sure I'm sure I missed some nuances of the plot there I'm not, <laughs> sure, I'm not sure you did. I'm no, sure. Like, to be honest with you, we started this, I only watched it, it's, it's some Saturdays we're recording this, so I only watched it on... Thursday. Thursday. I can't remember a fucking thing about it. No. Just, no, about, I... just about everything there that you told me was jogging my memory. It wasn't stuff I was remembering. No, it was just stuff no, I remembered. I remember, I remember jo- Scotty was making jokes about IFD saying, 
that even they don't know they make films. Yeah. <laughs> oh, do you love as well? Did you know it's their logo at the start? I don't know if you Star Wars. It, Star Wars yeah. music. Yeah. Oh, there are the clips from other pieces. Yeah. Star Trek. Every, films in yeah. There. So not only is the is that um, logo. Uh, all the music and the logo ripped off. But actually, all the music through the film yeah. is taken from other movies. So they just, and some of it is fairly recognisable. It's from yeah. fairly big, big movies. Yeah. But uh, yeah, every musical cue in the film is a rip off from another film. Mm. Um, what do we think of Ninja Terminator? <laughs> it's one of those films where I wouldn't want to watch you when I'm ill and a bit delirious. I think yeah. I really would trip yeah. balls. <laughs> I would trip balls. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's hard to follow. It's really hard to follow. Like it just—it's it just, impossible to follow. It's editing. It's editing for me. Like it just cuts. Scenes just end. Like someone will literally finish a sentence. It's bang right next scene, and you like—I just didn't really quite catch what you just said there. Look. Yeah, and you can't follow it because it's two completely separate yeah, films yeah. that have been jammed together in a cut and paste way, and it kind of makes sense, but mostly it doesn't. So that's you know, their forte. Then um, is is that. the. Yeah. That's what they do. Uh, just, yeah, I mean, this is what they did. Is that their I mean, entire they, output? Yeah, pretty much what they did was, <laughs> and most of their stories were deathless stories because they're fairly easy to do with cut and paste and with ninjas. Mm. So there'd be a list of people that need to be killed um, uh, and usually that the subplot would involve somebody sending somebody from a different movie to go and do something that was very only tangentially related to the main movie. But they did a bunch of these ninja films. Then when kickboxing became big in the late 80s, early 90s with Van Damme, they then did this with a bunch of kickboxers. So they added kickboxing to a bunch of different movies. And then another company called Filmark saw what IFD were doing and they were having some success with it. Uh, for, and they were another Hong Kong production uh, studio and then they did those cut and paste movies as well mm. so during a period in the kind of late 80s mid to late 80s early 90s there was a slew of these kind of cut and paste movies coming onto the western market from Hong Kong but part of me thinks it's quite innovative mm. it's quite a smart idea it's a, it's a way of selling and distributing movies and it's interesting, it's like, it's how to commercialise something that is not very commercial. And some of the, like I say, there's some moments when you're watching it and when you realise it's two separate films, you think, that's been quite clever. Mm. You know, they're, they're talking on, the, they've got this scene where they're talking on the phone. They've taken this footage from the other film of somebody talking on the phone, shot some new stuff of someone talking on the phone, and jammed the two films together that way. Or like that scene where he gets the tape of the mm. torture scene, and it's just the scene from the other film. Yeah. But for the most part, it's really badly done. Yeah. Really, like a mushed up mess. And the two films don't really talk to each other properly at all. It really just feels like there's two separate things going on. And you can't really follow either of them because the Korean film plot doesn't really fit the ninja plot. No. No matter how many times you dub Golden Ninja Warrior over the top of what the (laughs) Korean guys were initially saying, it's never really going to gel with the new footage that you're making of ninjas running up downstairs fighting. Yeah. But that said, oh, later on, I've got to tell you, later on in the films, in the series, they bought a bunch of uh, headbands that literally had the word ninja written on them. So it could be even clearer <laughs> Maybe, yeah. who the ninjas were. Ninja, yeah. Who were ninjas and who were not ninjas. I mean, that's how cheap it got, that literally ninja headbands is what they were running around wearing. But, you know... I, some of those scenes where the ninjas are fighting are just fun. Yeah. And that last scene, I think, is quite fun. The guy blowing up at the end in a puff of smoke, 
that shit is quite fun. And I think, and then I think that combined with, and the fucking crabs and the toy robots is, that's all crazy. Toy robots are freaking killer, aren't they? Yeah. The toy robots being used to deliver the message. Yeah, but the, uh, yeah. From the uh, ninja clan. And then some of the kung fu from the Korean film is watchable. Um, but it almost like it exists in its own world, doesn't it? It's one of those, and I think these IFD films do. And actually, you, you go online and there's people that are big fans of this of IFD movies. I went on a website called Neon Harbor, which I would recommend because they've got lots of good info. There's a decent podcast on there called Golden Ninja Podcast, which is just about IFD films. But also it's a place where you'll be able to watch Ninja The Mission Force, which is a spoof web series where someone has taken, made some ninja footage and then cut it into a bunch of old, like the first one's an old Brandon Lee film, yeah. which I recognise the original source film. So he's silly ninja character talking to Brandon Lee and it's, all, and it's all dubbed over the top and it's all really good fun. So, you know, there's a whole... Uh, which I wasn't aware of, like a whole fan base for these well, I'm, yeah, crazy, crappy films. But, I th- but I'm fascinated by they exist in their own world, yeah. in, which it's, in which ninjas are in films where ninjas should not be. Yeah. You know, and right. that it doesn't really make sense and it doesn't really gel. But, but, it, but it is its own thing. There's nothing else quite like it out there in the world. And I think that's kind of a cool thing. Shitty though this film is, I kind of yeah. think that's a cool thing. I, I suppose you it's clever, I suppose, really. Um, like I say, in an in, in, in innovative way of trying to make money off of something you can't make any money off of. Yeah, exactly. We've got, got, got some bump and we've got to try and shift it, so that's just... And they really used everything that yeah. they had. Yeah. You know, if, I mean, the, the Korean film, because it has some decent kung fu in it, you can make... Um, uh, a martial arts film out of it make it more commercial by adding some ninjas and some American actors to it yeah. and I think they had like a Thai film from the guy who made Long Back like an early one of his efforts oh, okay. right, yeah. that they added kickboxes to and I think that made for a decent film but they literally did do this with everything that they owned so they have added ninjas to melodramas and ninjas to horror films and you know <laughs> and, that, and that's just You've got, you've got to see it and believe it. You can watch loads of these films on you. Ninja Terminators on YouTube. Yeah. And a lot of the other ninja films that IFD made are also on YouTube. And Godfrey Ho then went on to make some proper films. So he directed Undefeatable mm. with Cynthia Rothrock. Mm. I don't know if you remember that, which is like a proper movie. Um, and it's like a proper movie. Yeah, it's like a proper movie. <laughs> it's much more like a fucking proper movie than this is. Um, I've got to say, the name Godfrey Hope does ring a bell somewhere in the back of my mind. Did, it, you, did you have anything to do with Charlie O'Brien? You got any idea? No, so I think Cynthia, he made a couple of Cynthia Rothrock films. Oh. And the name does ring a bell. He, and he made a bunch of movies with titles like Lethal Panther, mm-hmm. which were f- like, you know, female, Jack, uh, yeah. Hong Kong female a- yeah. actors. Um, and then when he, because when he left, but when he left IFD, the guys at IFD continued to make cut and paste movies, and this other company, Film Art, made cut and paste movies. And um, I think they did a you know a good decades worth of these films. Mm-hmm. So and there's loads of them out there. Um, and I would recommend watching kind of Ninja Terminator if you're going, being aware of the fact maybe that it's two separate movies and what was involved in making it. Um, there's there is there are some laughs to be had. I think from the from the sheer backness of it, yeah. 
but also from the audacity of it almost, the ballsiness of yeah. trying to make something out of nothing. Um, I quite, I, I quite like. I think I would have enjoyed it more if I'd known it was films that had been spliced together. Don't you? Because I probably would have looked. Yeah, probably. Yeah, for us, if we'd known that going in, and yes, because I say what I was feeling while watching that was baffled more than anything else. Yeah, we spent like, a lot of the film yeah. just. We felt like we were left behind somehow. Yeah. I was the same when I watched it this time. We, 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 were both, we were both the same thing at the same time. Is we can't work out why the hell this Jaguar guy is in this film and why he's doing what he's doing. Because he wasn't having any impact. We couldn't work it out. And that's, so when you told us, I mean, it makes sense then. This might be a totally different film. But yeah, we, we, we spent a long time pondering what that was about, didn't we? Just a lot of it. <laughs> and the thing is, I've seen Kirk Pace films before. Um, uh, Steve Odekirk made one called um, Kung Pao. <laughs> right yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he took a bu- did a bunch of new gags and then dubbed an old um, martial arts movie. Um, but then that was always done for comic effect. And mm. it was always very clear that that was what was happening. Mm. And what was interesting about this was these guys tried to hide... The movie, yeah. yeah, the fact that they were cutting together two movies, hide the origin movie within the other movie, mm. and that's where the ballsiness, I think, of it comes in. It's like this is a whole new beast. This is a new film riding the ninja wave. Actually, it's twenty minutes of random ninja footage edited together with an old film. But actually, nine times out of ten, watching that for the first time, you might not be able to follow it exactly, but you would never think that these two people weren't in the same film talking on the phone. Yeah. No. I think that's pretty cool in a yeah. fucking awful kind of <laughs> cheesy, terrible kind of way. Yeah. Um, so would you recommend Ninja Terminator? No. No! <laughs> absolutely not! Because I think it's one of the more, I mean, from what I've been reading, it is one of the more accessible. This is about as good. This is about as good as they got. Oh, yeah. They now, didn't get any better than this. You, you were saying earlier on about some of the other titles that they'd released. Now, for, I've been calling this film Ninja Thunderbolt all bleeding week. And, it, and the reason is because you said you had your experience watching that when you were young. And I had mine. I rented the film Ninja Thunderbolt when I was fucking a kid. <laughs> and again now, I, I rented Ninja Thunderbolt when I was young and we've got a video shop over the road from us and again like you saw the cover Ninja on the cover Thunderbolt sounds amazing you know pictures of ninjas I'm having that so I came back here and I put it on and even then and I would have been 12 and I, I lapped this sort of stuff up I think I got if I remember 20 minutes in there's a scene when I'm guessing what's his I've forgotten his name already Richard, Richard Harrison, Harrison where Richard Harrison I'm imagining kills another ninja by throwing an audio tape into his chest and I went that's it I'm done and I switched it off and took it back and that that's as the only exposure I've had to these films so I think that was the first cut and paste movie they ever made Ninja yeah. Thunderbolt so I think this came a little bit later, yeah. Ninja Terminator, but that was their very, very first Ninja Cut Paste release right. that you watched there. <laughs> so maybe they perfected their craft even more over the years. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> judging by Ninja Terminator, they probably didn't. I think you were probably a more sophisticated 12-year-old audience than I was no. because um, I distinctly remember those scenes of ninjas running up and downstairs 
at the beginning of Ninja Terminator as being very cool. You see, and obviously, watching it now, it clearly is not. <laughs> I probably saw some proper Ninja films before I saw that. But right. I, there you go. That was out. probably my first one, <laughs> which is probably why I didn't become like a ninja. Probably <laughs> 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 why I didn't pursue that career path in the end. Okay. Uh, I thought that was not for me. So um, uh, that was Ninja. So I mean, you can look at reviews of this if you want. Yeah. But it exists in its own... It's almost unreviewable, <coughs> I think, because it exists in its own universe of badness. I think someone needs to do a box set of them. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and pe- oh, there, are no. people that, there are people that really love this, these films, yeah. and you can find out a lot more about them if you And a lot of them are in a home. Yeah. Yeah, they're <laughs> all in a home. Ruling, yeah. But there's Give no them. point looking at reviews of them, because no, 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 no. You know, no one's going to no claim that this is... Um, a masterpiece. We should also say as well that um, the film exists on DVD, YouTube, etc. in a full frame version that has not been panned and scanned. And actually this adds to the, <coughs> to the comedy factor of the film because there are a lot of scenes where people are talking but they're not in the shot. Yeah. And there's a great scene in the middle of the film where two characters are talking across the table <laughs> and all you can see is the table and like an ashtray on the table. Yeah. And you can't see any of the characters at all. Uh, so, and th- that happens a lot in the film. Uh, the, the, they couldn't even bother to pay to and scan it properly. It is, uh, it's a widescreen, the Korean movie, a widescreen print, you know, that doesn't exist. The original movie doesn't exist as far as I'm aware. You've just got this fucking butchery job. Um, but, it's still fun. Yeah. I can't imagine the original Korean movie would have been as much fun as <laughs> watching Ninja Terminator. Everything improves with ninjas, <laughs> robots, and crabs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good was on his phone for most yeah, of no, 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 no. <laughs> oh, he's done. I was genuinely looking for something. I couldn't find it. No, he's <laughs> put a cork in it. The ninjas are cooked. Yeah, put a fork in it, we're done. <laughs> so that was Ninja Terminator. We're going to come back and talk about something else. Yeah, yeah next I think time it's going to be me. Is it next time? Uh, um, me, I don't mind. Oh, I'll, I'll take it. So, I'm, oh yeah, yeah I know, I'll, I'll do it. it. I'll, I'll so take Scott, it. It's all me. Yeah. It's all about the me. Um, Ninja say, something. We, we started doing. Yeah, why not? We started doing um, uh, this podcast. It was Clive Bag originally. Yeah, and right from the off, I wanted you to declare your retirement. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right from the off, I decided I, I wanted to do this film and held back, held back, held back because I thought it was really obvious. And now we've changed that name to the Bad Movie Vaults. And again, I thought now's the time because this is the bad movie. It's we've done Birdemic, um, but probably the great granddaddy <coughs> of bad movie makers was Ed Wood. Oh, brilliant! We're going to do he's, what, Plan Nine. We're going to do yeah, Plan Nine. Yeah, he's made a few stinkers, yeah. but I'm going to go for Plan Nine from Outer Space from 1959. Nice. Which, um, quite apart from anything else, should be quite funny. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's um, chock full of wonderful moments. And I'm looking forward to watching it again. Yeah, good one. Nice yeah. choice. So that's what we're going to be doing next time. Awesome. Cool. Awesome. Um, right. right. Well. So it is time for us to say goodbye to the Golden Ninja Warriors, who are... Badly dubbed Scott. And Jaguar One Nud. <laughs> I have been Tiger JP Chen, and goodbye.